Welcome back to the Free by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evan Williams, and this is episode 38. Okay, for today's episode, I'm jumping back into commitments. This is going to be the third episode in a row on commitments, but I mean, what can I say? I keep getting to the end of the end of these episodes and I feel like there's so much more that I can talk about. So, <laughs> so here we are <laughs> talking about commitments again. On today's episode, though, I'm going to talk about managing and minimizing commitments and different approaches that I take. But before I get into that, I want to share like the simple concept for the for the episode and it's about a YouTube video that I recently saw. If you're interested in seeing it, you can probably just search the 10th apple in YouTube and it should come up. But basically it's about a story where a, a man is lost in the forest and he's starving. He finds an apple tree and he's just so amazed and, and, and happy and just completely elated because he's going to survive. He eats the first apple and it tastes like the best apple he's ever had in his life. It's so sweet. It's, it's perfect. And then as he eats more and more of the apples, they, the initial deliciousness, the, the initial um, perfection of the apples wears off. And then before long, when he gets to the 10th apple, he's almost throwing most of it away. And he's not, he's not as grateful anymore for it. So this is basically, like I said, the law of diminishing returns, that each subsequent item is less and less enjoyed. And it's a really interesting topic. Um, it's... it's it really is a problem of abundance. When there's so much of something around, you tend to take it for granted. And that's, it's sad. It, it really, it's upsetting in a lot of ways. And, and I, it really is at the forefront of my mind a lot of times. It's one of the reasons why I, I really like practicing fasting. It's because it really changes the dynamic of my relationship with food. And I, I'm reminded every time that it's just incredible that the flavors that we can taste and, and just how fortunate we are to be able to eat, to have food, to have abundance if we have that. But what do we... What else can we do? What else can we, what, what other ways can we practice being mindful and grateful and, and making sure that we don't fall into this trap of taking abundance for granted? Because one day it might not be there. And I, th it really is sort of the secret to happiness. You know, just if you have um, something as mundane as potatoes. If you can just really be so thrilled and, and, and elated to have that, that sustenance, that incredible miracle 
of, of Earth that something's grown in the ground that we could harvest and derive energy from. Just to be so full of joy around that little object, a dirty potato from the ground. I don't know, I feel like that's, that's the secret to happiness, is just celebrating the beauty that's in that, in those little small mundane moments. So I try to remind myself all the time of it. This ep this this uh, YouTube video was just phenomenal for the the storyteller, the way he told it, and the message. It's great. So if you have a chance, check it out. It's called the Tenth Apple on YouTube. Let's talk about managing and minimizing commitments. I really use three different approaches, and I want to talk about them now. The first one is reframing my self-image. I mentioned on prior episodes, I was such an overachiever with school, with work, my personal relationships, and it's really exhausting, really, really exhausting, and it's unnecessary. Honestly, I came to realize that perfectionism is a curse, and perfectionism is really kind of selfish. So I went, I decided to really work on this and go out of my way to dismantle my desires to overachieve. And it was, um, it was really uh, insidious. It was, it really it just got its way into so many different aspects of my life. Um, so there was a lot of work to be done there. I found really that being that way in so many different aspects of my life, particularly with personal relationships, it ended up just making everyone else feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> because if there's someone else in, say, just like a two-person relationship, and the other person is just going way out of their way and just giving like 127,000% into it, just overachieving at every step of the way, it, it like, it almost, it comes across as this is what I expect of you as well. So the other person, and I found this, that the other person ends up feeling a lot of pressure when you're operating like that. And it almost puts people at ease when you show a little bit of selfishness. Because they know that you have your own best interest as well. So there's a balance, there's a real healthy balance to taking care of yourself, and then taking care of others. It's just like if a plane is crashing and the masks fall from the overhead. You put yours on first so that you can help other people, the people around you. Like if you're just burning yourself out, trying to overachieve and do so much, you're not going to be able to help anyone else out. You won't have energy for them. But if you take time and you really... You, you take liberties for selfish alone time, you're going to recharge your batteries. You're going to have so much more energy. You're going to be more well-grounded. You're going to be more well-balanced emotionally. And people will pick up on that. And they'll appreciate that. And you'll be, you'll be able to take care of them even better. If you don't, you're just going to be useless to everyone. If you're trying to do... If you're trying to be everything to everyone... 
So practice letting people down. And I say practice because it's difficult. It, it was really difficult for me. If you're anything like me and you're a definite people pleaser, I, I know that's that was a big problem for me. Just always wanting to overachieve and, and please others. Whenever someone would even just insinuate that they needed something, I would want to be the provider of that. But I got to a point where I just... I knew I had to start letting people down in order to to be everything that I could be for for the people that I really care about and love. So as an example, like in work, if someone has a project and they need my help with it, but I also have projects and I'm behind on those projects, I'm conf I'm very comfortable and confident in saying, no, I can't. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to let you down. And it's it's fine. Like, the world keeps on turning. You know, the sun still rises. It's not the end of the world. But for me, it felt like the end of the world. Saying no was difficult. And I know a lot of people probably find it difficult as also. So I just, I would just recommend practicing letting people down. And you have to see it as that you're not being selfish because if it, it might really come across as being selfish, but what you're doing is you're taking care of yourself so that you're going to still be able to help others. And that's the only way I got to the point where I was able to really bring this into my own and really use this as, as a tool in my life. So I highly recommend doing that. Reframing your self-image. <laughs> The other one is dabbling in life design. This is a real favorite one for me. Um, and there's so many different examples and different ways of, of playing around with this. I'm going to focus on just one example, and it's housing. So I just do not believe in long-term housing. So buying a house and locking yourself into a 30-year mortgage, which is, and I can't even get my mind around it. And it's funny because I once had a 30-year mortgage and owned a house. Or if you rent and you sign like a year lease or six-month lease, even a six-month lease, it's just, it's, it's such a long term in my, in my mind in my opinion, I've, I know I'm extreme. I typically only lock myself into like one month terms and increments of, of housing. And the reason why I do that is because I believe that life is dynamic. I believe that we evolve quickly. I, be, I believe that we pivot in life a lot. We need to be dynamic and, and agile and nimble and constantly evolving to life, really. And for me, having a short term in housing helps for me to really be able to pivot effectively to make, to make things go more smoothly. So, for example, if 
I say I, I changed jobs because before I have a remote job now, but before I actually worked in an office for 10 years. And if I had one job at one office and then I got another job at a different office, that's a perfect example. If I'm locked into a 30 year mortgage, like if you own a house, you're at least going to be there for like five years, most likely, if not longer. But let's just stay with the, the argument of renting for a year term. So if that happened and suddenly I'm now miles away from my new office, I'm stuck having to drive or commute in mass transit. But every step of the way, I've, I've always focused on minimizing that and actually killing two birds with one stone with the commutes. So when I first entered the workforce, I was all focused on, okay, I want to be at least within like under an hour drive to work. And then I soon realized that I could hack this whole, um, like, setup, for lack of a better word, and I can try to get within one hour walk to work. And by doing that, I'd be able to get rid of a vehicle and all of the expenses that are associated with the vehicle. Not only that, I could kill two birds with one stone by actually getting my exercise baked into my day, baked into my commute to work. So before long, I would have more time back on my day and more money, or I should say less expenses, which directly corresponds to the amount of time that you need to work. And that's the ultimate value, is getting time back, since that is the most uh, precious asset that we have. So yeah, I was getting exercise, and if I was actually paying for a gym, which I wasn't at the time, but I could arguably stop paying for that expense too. So it's these types of things. The, the hacking of your living situation in a way that makes things simple and just makes things easier and really focuses around work-life balance. You could do it with anything. Work is a great example. It lends itself to a good, um, a good example for this episode. But you could do it with anything. And I'm constantly thinking about different ways. And that's the other thing. You gotta think about it. You gotta, you gotta really consider all of the different factors. So in the example I gave, that's factoring in exercise, the gym, work and where the location in which I'm, I'm living. So what I kind of do is really just dwell on these things and, and sit with them for a while and understand, okay, these are all the things in my life. What do I envision for myself to be the best, most optimal way forward? And then you execute on it. Find a way. But if you're locked into a long-term rent or, or owning situation, you just, like, you're so limited. You just can't pivot. So, dabble in life design. The last approach that I take that I want to talk about on this episode is setting up boundaries. So this really 
goes well with the idea of how um, consumption is a commitment. And we really need to really do a lot of self-work to reduce our consumption so that we're not spending so much time making money to acquire and consume things and then having to spend a lot of our time and energy working to get like a house or a storage unit to put all of those things. So setting up boundaries is the next level. Once you've done that self-work to reduce your consumption, then you need to circle back. You need to set these boundaries up because there's there's going to be situations and times where somebody wants to give something to you. And it's a beautiful thing. And I'm grateful for, for the people in my life that, that want to do that because I know that that's sort of their love language is, is giving. And it's really, it really is beautiful. And I'm, I am, I'm so grateful. And I know this is a, like a privileged problem to have. Um, but if it goes against your values, you need to have a boundary set up. And what I do is I actually try to have the conversation of, I, I would actually prefer if we spent time together rather than, I don't know, like a gift being given or, or something, some possession that somebody has that they, they just want to give to you. So I reframe it, and I set up a boundary, and I reiterate, and I re-communicate that, more so for myself, so that I'm familiar and comfortable with this boundary, and then at that point, if you are, then it's second nature, and it's inherent, and, and it, it just comes across, it's communicated to others, naturally and organically, once you are so accustomed to it. And at this point, personally, honestly, I really have just one person in my life, uh, my grandmother, that will continue to just give me possessions and things. And it's so sweet. <laughs> and I love her to death for it. Um, but yeah, everybody else in my life, um, they know, they know where my values are, what I really would prefer that just you know, going out and having dinner with them or, um, just having time to, to sit and talk or getting together and making dinner, things like that. So it works well for me. And, and also actually another good example, and it's a work example is, is minimizing like email because that is a commitment of time and energy. And for me, it's something that I actually spend a lot of time communicating to others, to my colleagues, to, to have them know that my preferred method of communication is messaging. And at the company I work for right now, we use messaging, email, phone calls, and then also like Zoom meetings. So I find that I work more productively when I get messages sent to me directly. And it took a lot of time. I was getting a lot of emails for the first couple months that I was working at the company. 
but I would just I would be consistent and I would I would um, communicate my preference over and over again. And now, after three years of working there, really, I, I hardly get any emails, and I only get messages. I work more efficiently that way, and I have more time left for myself now because, again, I'm working more efficiently. And I just, I don't, I, I got to a point where I don't feel guilty about expressing what I want. It's important. Because you know yourself better than anyone else. So you have to communicate that. Communicate all the different things that will make you work more efficiently. That will make your life more aligned to your values. So I really hope that these few things that I discussed, these three approaches to minimizing commitments, maybe resonated with you. Maybe, maybe you found something that you might be able to use in your own life. I hope so, because I find this all very, very helpful. But as always, keep cutting the noise and make room for what's essential. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please follow or subscribe to my podcast. Please also comment or leave a review. You can also follow me on Instagram under Free by Design channel.